Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factory, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Ding. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. I'm excited to share this episode with you today. We've been talking a lot about fundraising strategies, storytelling strategies, digital storytelling strategies, and where the three intersect. And today's guest is going to fit right into that if you are wondering about how you can improve your end of your giving campaigns or pretty much any donation campaigns that you might have out there, including the more passive ones on your website. Uh, today's guest is an expert in those things, and I'm excited to have him, as I said. His name is Steve Daniel. He is the founder of Daniel Digital. Steve has spent nearly two decades leading digital marketing, fundraising, and advocacy programs for some of the world's greatest causes, including Amnesty International, Audubon, Natural Resources Defense Council, American Cancer Society, Red Cross, UNICEF, and many others. Steve describes his superpower as building and growing digital fundraising programs that generate record-breaking results. Sounds pretty good to me. Let's bring him on the show to tell us more. Hey. Hey, Steve, welcome. Thank you. Uh, it's really exciting to have you on. I just read your bio. I know there's even more impressive stuff about you. Um, why don't you tell us your story? What's your background? How do you come to this world of digital fundraising? Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I started working with nonprofits in the 90s uh, doing communications work, which kind of morphed into digital communications work. Um, worked at uh, a company that was bought out by Blackbaud in the early 2000s and uh, led the digital phasing and advocacy team at Amnesty International. And then uh, for the last 12 years or so, I was an SVP at MNR doing digital phasing, advertising, and advocacy there. Very cool. And so now you're out on your own? Yes. Yep, I am. And I did that um, just to really do more client work, um, was wanting to switch things up and really love the um, one-to-one work I get to do with clients. And so just wanted to do more of that. Very cool. And I'm sure your clients are happy to have you do more one-to-one work with them. Um, so we were talking a little bit earlier, you and I, and with your focus on digital fundraising and all of the year-end campaigns that are now coming up, and there's, I don't think anybody any longer, they did this as long as they could, but nobody can deny now that digital is the primary uh, uh, fundraising source for most organizations these days, or the primary mode, I should say, modality. So um, it's clearly going to have the biggest impact for most organizations this year and moving forward. What's working and not in 2021 when it comes to digital fundraising? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things that we have seen um, at MNR and then with some of my clients, the um, just sort of longer content. Um, uh, more content to make a case for giving. Um, we just one specific example of a client that you know we set up a paid search um, program and we just were not getting very good return on ad spend. You know, paid search should be immediately positive on your return on ad spend, and it wasn't. And we tried pretty much everything to optimize 
and fix, uh, fix that paid search program, changing audiences, bid strategies, uh, keywords, keyword matching strategies, um, and nothing really moved the needle. And then we looked at the landing page that we were driving people to, and it was a very optimized single step donation form, something that really most organizations that are testing their donation forms are testing into this kind of form. And we just really didn't even think twice about it. And we decided to try something a little risky, which we thought was risky at the time. And it was driving search traffic, not to a donation form, but driving them to a page that what we call an interstitial page that um, talks about, you know, who is this organization? How do they make an impact? What are some examples of the impact they're making? What is the problem they're trying to solve? And it really is a lot of additional content on this page and made that one switch improved the return on ad spend 10 times. So we went from like a 25 cent ROAS to $2.50 regularly. Um, and so it really opened our eyes to like, wow, this, um, this long form content which is counterintuitive to our thinking about, you know, streamlining the funnel, really making that conversion as easy as possible. It's just so counter to that idea that we really started to kind of rethink what we were showing to different audience and testing longer form content um, and find a lot of success with it. So yeah, that's, that's a big new kind of interesting finding. Let's talk about that for a minute because there's a few parts that I think are really fascinating and worth exploring. Um, the first, I just want to be clear to anyone who's listening doesn't know the term ROAS, it's return on ad spend, right? So yes. on Google ads, you're paying or maybe you've got your grant, but you're still bidding on ads for a certain amount. And you're saying that the return should be greater than the investment, which seems pretty logical. Although I know that there are some campaigns where you're not really looking for the straight donation. They're a longer cultivation campaign. Clearly. Sure. What you were trying to do here is drive donations. So, I mean, personally, I don't find it too surprising, but there's a lot of things that are happening here. There's my favorite quote uh, by Daniel Kahneman is no one ever made a decision based on a number. They need a story. And so when you're driving ads directly to a donate page, if there's no story there that people could really hook into, I could see why maybe they're turning away. Is, is that basically what you're saying when, when you're saying you need a, a page first in between and in between step? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like, obviously the, there was something missing. Like people were not getting the information, the story that they need um, in order to make the gift. They just weren't convinced and they had unanswered questions. And obviously this page and this content answered, filled in the gaps for them and and made the case that needed to be made. Right, so when I use story, I, I mean it in a kind of broad sense where we need enough information and enough uh, things to connect to, to resonate with us, if you will, in order to really feel like, yes, this is something I care about. And in this case, something I want to support fiscally, financially. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, did you, mess around too much with how much information you put on this page? Or was it really just once you were able to frame the work into what I call a story structure, uh, whether everybody thinks of it that way or not, was it enough just to do that? Or did you wind up having to play around some more with how much content was on there? Um, our first draft of this page killed it. It worked really well. I mean, we did, you know, what we, 
part of where we got the idea. I mean, it's not a new idea, honestly, um, like you said, but I think, I just think, you know, indirect response, we can go focused on streamlining the conversion process that we kind of forget um, other pieces of content that actually are needed. But we, we got the idea from for-profit um, commerce, digital commerce, e-commerce, um, stores and products, people selling products. And you often see this sometimes when, you know, long, long landing pages with lots of, I mean, it almost feels like, um, what's the, the, it's almost like you're watching Q, it's like the QVC trans landing page that's kind of translated from what you see on QVC. And we're like, you know, we should do this for nonprofits. And so we studied a couple of these pages to try to understand like, what are these pages actually doing? And we also thought about how, you know, look at the value of web traffic. We often find visitors to the About Us page have high value. And what is on the About Us page? You know, it's the it's some of these other things. And so we combined some of these ideas that we were seeing and came up with a landing page and it worked way. So now we did, we have since then adjusted it based on certain incentives. Um, you know, we had like a t-shirt offer and COVID obviously happened. And then once COVID happened, we wanted to make sure we were shifting the message to kind of be relevant, but we haven't really tested it because the landing pages just worked really well. So that landing page, the QVC style that you're talking about, we usually call them um, sales letter copy, basically. Um, it comes from the old days when there would actually be multi-page letters that people would uh, send out, that marketers would send out, and it would tell these stories and bring people in and make it personal. And they worked, frankly, um, and not always uh, very uh, let's just say above board. <laughs> they were often not used for good, but in the case of nonprofit, I'm sure your clients are using it for good. And that's really the power of that kind of long form story. Um, when I used to build websites uh, years ago, I still do, but when I first started building websites for nonprofits, um, it was actually fairly common. It was one of the schools of thought that was prominent at the time was to have a multi-stage donation, multi-page donation process, actually. So first it was, you click on the donate button and there's a page with a lot of information about the impact and the work that, that's being done and how money's being spent. And then the second page would be a more streamlined form. Since then, I feel like most organizations, at least in the ones that I've uh, been dealing with, and it sounds like the ones that you've been dealing with, have kind of gone away from that. Um, and that is because of this philosophy, which I think is also valid, that once someone has decided to make a donation, basically get out of their way, remove all right. points of friction, make it as super easy as possible. Right. So what's the difference between the two? When is one better versus the other? Yeah, you're right that the streamlined conversion funnel, I mean, the landing page does still work. And um, what we found, because since, you know, we tested into this interstitial page um, probably two years ago for the Dave Thomas Foundation, that was the first client I was working on, but there are a couple of other organizations that tested into it at the time. And since then, a bunch of other clients at MNR had tested it across different channels, different advertising channels. And what I've found is that 
certain audiences like existing donors that are active where you're trying to ask them to make a second gift. Maybe they're a sustaining donor. You're asking them to make a special gift on top of their monthly gift. Those audiences often do better when you just give them that streamlined donation form. I also have seen that certain organizations have really well-known brands where it's very clear what they do. Um, Natural Resources Defense Council is one of them. They, you know, they sue, they sue bad guys. Um, they, they sue the government to make sure they protect species. It's a very clear theory of change. People really get it really easily. And their brand is pretty well known within, you know, the population of people who support environmental organizations. Those interstitial landing pages have not always worked as well as a streamlined donation form. I do think that they still work well for prospective audiences. So, you know, people who are not yet donors, not yet supporters or activists that are still kind of in the consideration phase. They're curious about which organization could potentially solve this problem that they're seeing out in the world. And that longer form content for that audience, I think is, um, we are still seeing it work better, even for the big brands. I think you touched on something absolutely uh, critical there, which is what stage is this potential donor or potential repeat donor already in? Um, I have this slide that I use when, when I'm working with organizations where it's this ladder, right? This, this uh, staircase almost. And it starts from somebody who's completely unaware to somebody who's already a, a supporter or a champion of the work that you do. And there are several steps in between. And um, when I talk about avatars, which is what we call, as you well know, but in case audiences don't know, um, we call these potential heroes, these these target uh, marketing personas. Um, when I talk about potential avatars, I really encourage organizations, if you can, to break them down into multiple levels of even the same person, of how aware they are of what you're already doing, so that you could streamline the experience for them and not feel like you're over explaining to them, but also not feel like you're just dropping them into something and saying, donate. Right. 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 And this strength of brand thing that you're talking about is absolutely pivotal. So it could be strength of brand in your particular community. So people who already know you and have a great association with your brand, which is the story they tell themselves about your organization when they think of it. Right. They're one type of person versus someone who has never heard of you. Um, and most organizations don't have the uh, fortuitous platform that uh, some of the more established names that like you just said, or um, Red Cross after an emergency right. response, you know, so those are some like impulse urgent uh, situations where people know, okay, I'm going to turn to this organization, right? But for most organizations, yeah. that's not the case. Yeah, that's right. I think that's, and that's a, I think a third factor to consider is oftentimes there'll be an organization's issue will be in the news from reason, whether it's a natural disaster or some other political event. And in those moments, if it's clear that the organization is directly tied to what is in the news or in that moment, that also is another time when a really streamlined funnel may work better, probably will work better than a longer form um, interstitial page. Yeah. The other time that I'm thinking of, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had uh, Kathleen Murphy-Toms, the director of digital strategy at Giving Tuesday. Oh, cool. And 
Yeah, she was, she's awesome. And she is very keen on that optimized mobile specifically, optimized landing, uh, not landing page, donation page specifically. Um, And I think, you know, in her case, in the case of Giving Tuesday and campaigns like that, there's a common misconception that, that, that she's on, on a crusade, if you will, to uh, overcome, which is, you know, Giving Tuesday is when people are going to just discover us and magically donate uh, versus Giving Tuesday is a time to activate our current supporters and get them to, to start their donations for the end of the year. So in those cases, and if you're trying to do both, you might have two landing pages. Do you ever advise two organizations to have more than one sort of donation funnel on their websites? You know, I, I think this is this gets at the heart of decision-making for digital fundraising and organizations, which is how complex do you go? And it really depends on how, how large the program is, how large the audience is, how much of a payoff you're gonna get from adding that complexity. I do think that at a very basic level, having exist, treating existing supporters differently than prospective supporters who don't really know you is a very basic first step that almost any organization of any size can make. And so, yes, I do think that um, it makes sense to think about those two audiences differently. And in fact, try or test you know, these different donation funds um, based on the audience type. Yeah. And so uh, there's another thing that uh, you had mentioned to me previously, uh, which kind of falls in line with the same kind of question of how much do they already know about us before we ask them to donate. And you were talking to me about cultivation and campaigns that do that some more. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what you were running? Yeah, I mean, this sort of related to the interstitial page, which is, you know, how much information do you need to give people? And and I think a question that a lot of nonprofits have is, what is the value to fundraising of cultivation content? It's not only the, you know, and sometimes people think it's the thank you messages, like aside from the thank you messages, thinking about content like it doesn't have a call to action. It's primarily meant to informed inform the the reader of what the organization is doing or even what's happening in the outside world that the organization is working to solve. And so an interesting interesting example, this is again from um, Natural Resources Defense Council, but we've had a couple of other clients in our test these, which is testing content through paid advertising and through email that really just shows the impact that the organization is having or speaks in more sort of lengthy formats about something that's happening right now that the organization is working on. For example, when NRDC is working on clean water in Flint, Michigan, what's the, what's the latest on lead and water in Flint? And there's all kinds of stories about people being impacted by lead and water there you know, the history of that work there. Um, And it's not really making it forgiving. So we tested every week um, for 12 weeks, we tested sending an additional message that was just cultivation related 
and a complementary ad that kind of spoke to the, use that same content. We were mostly pointing people to a blog post, but really putting a lot of the content in the message. They didn't need to click to read the full content or to get a lot of it. And what happened um, over 12 weeks of giving everybody weekly additional cultivation content to the behavior of the people who saw that content. And we found for, it varied. Now it really varied by audience. But one of, one of NRDC's largest segments are people who take online action, but then don't give. You know, lots of people point and click, send a letter to Congress, you know, please protect the Endangered Species Act. And then that's all they do. They never give again. And those people who receive additional cultivation content, we saw over a 100% increase in revenue from that audience. And, the, all the, and, and it didn't come from the cultivation messages. It came in other, you know, other mints, you know, when they were then asked in an appeal at a later time, or they just found NRDC on their own or paid, you know, converted through a paid ad in another area. But yeah, it was really, really impressive just to see how additional content that's really cultivation focused supports fundraising. I love everything about that, <laughs> about what you just said, and and the fact that you guys were able to study it and quantify it in at least some cases. Um, the first part of that is, um, you know, a donation doesn't need to be your primary call to action in so many circumstances. Most organizations that I come across, they just ask donate, donate, donate at every chance they get. And sure, if you don't ask, nobody will give. That's fully true. Right. But if you keep asking, then people just think all you want is my money. Whereas what you're saying is, first, give them value, give them value, give them value, give them value. 12 weeks of that in, in your case. And then in some way or other, when it's time, ask them for something back. And that goes back to the philosophy that, that I espouse all the time, which is, you know, nobody donates as a um, as a thank you so much as an IOU. It's not a tip for the work that you're doing. It's gratitude for the work that you're doing. It's a feeling of indebtedness. And so the more you can make them feel indebted by showing them all the value, by making them uh, aware of things and, and giving them tools or, or whatever it might be, including knowledge, the more likely they're going to want to pay you back for that, right? Mm -hmm. And then the... I'm sorry, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that's that's a good way of of seeing this where, you know, they're getting something to value. Um, I think another part of it is that in a way, like organization's mission is to get people to care. And how do you get people to care? You get people to care by a fundraising message, you get them to care in other ways. They're there are stories, there are statistics, there are things that happen that they may not see or know about. And it's your job as an organization to kind of lift up those, that content that really inspires people and moves people. And I think you can move people without asking them to, to give. You can move people in a lot of other ways with other content. Yeah, those are the stories, right? That's that's what I go on and on about ad nauseum, some might say, but those are the stories. You share your stories, your constituents' stories, and you show how good is 
being achieved in the world. You show what what the issues are. You establish the villains and the heroes uh, of of the situation. And over time, you then create a stronger bond with the person that you're talking to, and they're more likely to contribute. The other part of that that I wanted to really emphasize, because you, you you said it, but it wasn't, you know, uh, it didn't sound as important as I think it is, it, just in, in your sentence, which is that you don't have to ask for donations all the time, but someone who gave uh, their support in another way, by example, signing a petition, they're still a really valuable contributor. They have already identified themselves by doing that as someone who cares about your cause. So now it's absolutely your job to go and cultivate them. You go and you thank them and then you share these stories. You, you, you drip out that cultivation campaign, however it works, because since they identified that they're interested, but they're not quite ready to donate to you, it's your job to show them why don a donation would amplify their impact in the world. Mm -hmm. I almost like to think of these online actions are very easy to take and a lot of organizations do them. I like to think of them as like hand raisers. These are people that say, hey, do you care about the world? You hear pair of, yeah, sure. Now, do you want to make a gift? I mean, whoa, how do you, you went from like, do I care to that? There's a gap. There's, there's something missing um, and that it's, it's fillable. Like you, you, you have an opportunity with these, with these people to kind of move them along. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people use the dating analogy um, in the modern yeah. day. I equate <laughs> it to, hey, I just swiped right and, you, and you're asking me to marry you. Right. So, I'm interested, there's something about you I like. So I, I love the raise your hand analogy. I, I, I use it all the time. I'm raising my hand and saying I'm interested in this. That doesn't mean I'm ready to give you my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So figuring out the the intermediate steps and maybe there are no calls to action. I always say uh, it's hard for me when, when someone says no calls to action. I always say there should be some call to action, but it yeah. doesn't need to be give. It doesn't need right. to be anything like that. It could be just, hey, dig deeper into this issue or check this out for more information or watch this video. That's a call to action. Yeah. Right? You got to layer those in. Yeah. Our, I mean, our, that 12 week content, um, the call to action was just learn more, read more watch this video. That was it. Perfect. Uh, and I'm glad uh, we, we teased that information out for people. There's um, one more question that I, I, I wanted to ask, and I want to be considerate of time here, um, which was in both of these cases, you talked about you were running ads to these, uh, to these types of campaigns. Um, what do you say in a Google ad, for example, when you're trying to get someone directly to a donation page or to a uh, donation funnel of, of any sort, what kind of headlines are you using there to get that traffic in the first place? Well, the ads that we used for the cultivation test were only on Facebook, um, and we and we used Facebook because that's where we were able to match the email. You know, we matched our email file um, in order to run ads targeting that were already on our file, receiving the messages in email at all. Um, but to your question on what do you say on paid search ads, um, you know, these are, I, mean, I think it depends, but for me, I always think, you know, you want to try to get your brand search campaigns to work well. And those are, you know, terms that are directly related to your organization's name 
and they should be very basic. Um, you know, so for natural, re let's just stick with NRDC, you know, um, donate to natural resources defense council, um, and then associated terms that are related to just their mission, which is protect the environment, solve, you know, climate change, save endangered species from extinction. They're very basic, um, you know, terms and phrases that are, they're not really complicated. And, but Brancer I think is, is the first kind of campaign I would try to make work in paid search before expanding into some of the other types of, I'm just, I'm a fundraiser. That's, that's where I approach this. So yeah. Does that that's answer really it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think it answers it really well because I, I have seen a lot of organizations want to run paid search campaigns to donate. And it is often a folly, I think, because they don't have the brand recognition. They don't have the, uh, the um, context the audience, I should say, doesn't have the context by which to recognize, yes, oh, I am interested in this, I will go donate. So spending a lot of money, whether it's Google grant or actual uh, money out of your own budget uh, on these types of ads is often not fruitful. It was, uh, I like that you also mentioned that there are mission related terms that people might be interested in, like preservation of some sort or other, or things that your organization is working on, you could be getting people in on that. But again, and please tell me if you disagree with me, I think if your brand recognition is not that strong, then maybe you're better off driving people to content about that cause. And they might yes. trust your organization to deliver that as a nonprofit, not as someone trying to sell them something. Yes. And then nurture them again. Yeah. Brand, brand search, um, you know, is it's based on, it only works if there's demand for people searching for your organization. So if no one really knows who you are and is not searching for you, then paid search based on your brand is not going to work. And in that case, um, the best thing to do is to try to use your Google grant or whatever to improve your awareness. And you can do that by bidding on terms that are related to your organization and driving them, like you said, to your website, um, to content that drive kind of awareness and traffic to your organizations. You know, you need to build an audience of people who know who you are and what you do. Yeah, content that provides value and probably answers a question, right? Exactly, yeah. Because every Google search is actually a question, whether it has a question mark on it or not, you're wondering yes. something. If That's you can right. Answer the question well. I'll like you. I'll trust you. I'll thank you. Yes. Awesome, Steve. Um, what are some tools and resources that organizations might want to look into on any of these topics? What What do you recommend they go check out? Well, I mean, I, I you know, I think about just a, when I think about digital program, you know, you it, it's really good to have a baseline understanding of your metrics and how it's up against peers and MNR's benchmark report is great because if you participate, MNR will um, create a custom benchmark analysis just for you based on your data that no one else will see that you'll have delivered to you. 
It's sort of a thank you that they do in, uh, in exchange for you submitting your data to be part of the benchmarks. Um, and the report is really helpful. And, and so I, I really encourage organizations to participate in that because it's free. I mean, it takes time, but it is free. And um, the other thing, the other resources just, you know, that I've found really helpful as an um, email marketer, fundraising is obviously a big part of the email program, uh, digital email programs. And nerdy email is a verb that I think is a very vibrant and interesting discussion of a lot of um, some of the best email marketers in the industry for nonprofits. And so I, I always learn things and I always appreciate the conversation there. Um, but those are two that just came to mind. Awesome. I'm going to check out Nerdy Mail because I actually hadn't, you know, most organizations uh, at this point are on MailChimp um, that I come across anyway, and it works really well, but I'm always interested in other alternatives. MailChimp has gotten a little bloated. Sorry, MailChimp, if you're listening, and is trying to do too many things and is in the e-commerce space now. And I think nonprofits need something a little more tailored and, and streamlined. Yeah, and just to be clear, nerdy email is a discussion group, basically. It's how to use email. It's not a technology or a piece of software. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, it's just a it's just a discussion group from of strategists talk about email strategy. Yeah. Well the MailChimp, I apologize, I take it all back. <laughs> I'm sticking with you. <laughs> uh, I actually am. My stuff is still uh, on MailChimp, although I'm always considering, are there better options? Um, Steve, this has been awesome. If organizations want to learn more about what you do or connect with you, what's the best way that they could do that? Yeah, sure. Uh, they can connect with me on my LinkedIn, which is um, I'm there as Estenio. And then my website also has a contact information, um, which is DanioDigital.com. Perfect. And we will link to both of those as well as some of the other things that we talked about in um, our show notes for this episode. Steve, it's been totally fun chatting with you about all these things and brainstorming on why things work and how to make them work better. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Awesome. And thank you, everybody, for listening in today. I hope you learned a lot from Steve and from this conversation. If you enjoyed it, please, please, please subscribe and leave us a review so that more people can discover what we're doing here on the Nonprofit Hero Factory, helping you create and activate more heroes for your cause. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all for watching and listening to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We hope this episode has given you some ideas and strategies for creating more heroes for your cause and a better world for all of us. Please be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And let us know what you think by leaving a review.